Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the 11th, and I'm Eric Mennel, the show's senior producer. When we were first dreaming up the 11th, we would sometimes talk about it as a box, like an actual box full of surprises that would show up on your phone every single month. And you never know what was coming. You just knew that it was going to arrive on a specific day, and if everything went according to plan, it would be good, like a bark box, but instead of dog snacks, podcasts. Then, several months ago, a literal box did show up at a lot of people's homes, and it felt exactly like what we had been imagining. That box was the 64th issue of McSweeney's Quarterly Concern, the audio issue. I have been a ginormous, fervid, is that a word? Fervid feels like it should be a word. It should. Fervid. Fervent. Fervent McSweeney's fan since... Issue number one. Backjack turns out fervid is a word, and it means almost exactly the same thing as fervent, which feels uh, very unfair. And I'm not sure who to write about that. Anyway, I am a fervid fan of that other voice you just heard, Julie Shapiro. She's the VP of editorial for PRX and Radiotopia, the independent podcast network. She also produces the show Ear Hustle, about everyday life in San Quentin prison. Julie is a behind-the-scenes audio wizard. And so when McSweeney's was thinking about doing an issue of their quarterly journal that was all audio, they reached out to her. I looked this up. Um, Claire, the email where we picked up the conversation, so it had already started, but the email that we picked it up with was July 8th, 2019. Wow. So this was this was a slow, hot burn. That wow in the background is Claire Boyle, an editor at McSweeney's. And if you're not familiar with McSweeney's, this is what they do. Every issue of the journal, for 22 years now, is entirely redesigned and entirely reimagined. Over the course of the years, we've published issues that are disguised as a pile of junk mail, a box that looks like a sweaty man's head that opens up to a bunch of different booklets and books. There was an issue where all the stories were printed on party balloons, and you had to inflate the balloons in order to read the stories. Anyway, McSweeney's and Radiotopia teamed up for two years to build this audio issue. And honestly, it is just beautiful. It comes in this gorgeous blue box covered in textiles. It has this sort of ASMR-y sound to it when you scratch. And when you open it up, there are objects, each with an audio component to them. Thank you for calling KidsWorks Toys. Your call is important to us. 
There's this catalog of bloodthirsty children's toys created by Ian Chillog with a number attached that you can call to sort of fall into this deranged customer support wormhole. What issue are you experiencing with Corners the Talking Square? If Corners has begun speaking phrases it was not programmed to say, which suggests it has been watching your child while they sleep, press 1. Another element is this incredible eight-foot-long scroll and a pop-up magic lantern with a deeply immersive audio story that goes with each segment of the scroll. We were at the shore. It was my day off, and I had gone to the shore to see Walter and Lily because I was going out of my mind just in one place all the time. Walter needs water, Lily had said. Walter needs a drink, drink. said So this month, we wanted to feature some of the work from McSweeney's audio issue. Put it on a podcast for the first time for more people to hear. There are three individual pieces we're going to play, all part of the same larger piece. It's a collection of walking tours, but instead of being around a neighborhood or through a museum, they're for different rooms in your home. Three different artists took the concept of a walking tour and molded it into something interactive and new. There's one for your kitchen, one for your wall, and, uh, rather dangerously, one for your bathroom. They're beautiful and odd and completely unique. They honestly just left me feeling completely different about the home I spend all my time in. So, to get started with our first tour, from the McSweeney's Quarterly Concern and Radiotopia, this is a walking tour for your kitchen. Written and produced by Katerina Smets. Kitchen landscape, or the ambiguity of reliable things. Go to your kitchen. What do you see? Dishes, perhaps. Some already cleaned, some not. Take two cups. Clean them, if you must. I am using the same mug over and over again. A quite ugly mug. It's pink. The sides are chipped a bit. My grandmother gave it to me on my 18th birthday. I can't really move around much in my kitchen. It is long and narrow. When I stand in front of my oven, I can reach everywhere. There's a cupboard above the sink for plates and glasses, and the cutlery is in a drawer to my right. How far can you reach? Can you try to take a spoon without moving your feet? Put the spoon on the counter. I have been cleaning and eating and cleaning and eating and cleaning and eating in the same rooms. I like them, these rooms I live in. It is a safe shell. If I close my eyes, I am able to find everything here. Only when the neighbors are shouting at their kids. Then I feel the shell is small and fragile. Take a kettle, open the faucet, 
Watch the water running in a stream into your kettle. My faucet is leaking at the sides. I should have it repaired. Put the kettle on. Boil. What was the last thing you cooked for someone else? Someone from outside your house? Who was it you cooked for? What did you make? I baked some cake to comfort my brother, I think. I think of other rooms I haven't been in for a long time. Birthday parties, tea with my grandparents, the sugar pot, cake. When cake is served, everyone is silent for a moment. Only them and the cake. A few years ago, my whole family was together for Easter, eating cake. I was walking in my grandparents' garden. My grandfather was explaining to me how the little plum tree had begun fruiting and the plums made great cake. All of a sudden, the weather changed. We looked up at the dark clouds. My grandfather started telling me how the sound of thunder and lightning is recreated in the theater. Jest taki bęben naciągnięty płótnem i takie kurito, w którym obraca się też ma płótno i tak się kręci. You turn a large basket with stones in it. Sand to mimic the sound of wind. A burze pioruny, wiesz jak pioruny, pioruny w teatrze? Arkusz blachy zawieszony i uderzaj. If you turn the handle just right, you feel like you are in the middle of a storm. Close your eyes. Reach for the sugar. Can you find it in the dark? Reach with your hand and grab it. Be careful not to pull other things down. Put the sugar on the counter. Open your eyes. I remember I went out with my grandfather to look for a Christmas present for my grandmother. 
years ago now. We went to look in a place he knew best. A market where you could buy anything. Socks and old cables, dried fruit and leather slippers. We decided to buy a new kettle with a whistle. A green one with yellow flowers. I thought she might like that. Is your water boiling? Take down a teapot. Pour in water from your kettle and make some tea. Or maybe you put your tea bag straight into the cup. Anyway, pour two cups. Add some sugar, if you like. To make your life a little sweeter, my grandmother used to say. With a spoon, stir. Take your cups and go sit at the table. Take one cup in your hand and put the other one opposite you. One for you. and one for someone you are missing. A walking tour for your kitchen, written and produced by Katerina Smets. Hey there, hi, and hello. In that order. Hey there, hi, and hello. Next. I'm Sharon Mashihi. Writer and producer Sharon Mashihi, here to walk with you and your wall. W-A-L-L. Wall. Wall. Wall is for listening to anytime, but it is especially dedicated to you if you happen to be listening when you are a little bit sad. <laughs> In this moment, I am a little bit sad. I'm lonely, and I'm blaming myself for my loneliness. And I know that feeling this way sometimes is part of being human, but knowing that it's normal doesn't make it any easier. You know that spot just above your lip, the little indent underneath your nose, your philtrum? Philtrum. 
In Judaism, it is said that when we are in our mother's wombs, we know everything there is to know in the whole world. And just as we are about to be born, an angel comes and touches us right there in that spot underneath our nose. The angel touches us there and takes away all of that knowledge so that we can have our whole lives to learn it all over again. I love the idea that babies in the womb might know everything there is to know. I like to imagine that all the knowledge that we need might be stored in surprising places. W-A-L-L. Whoa. For example, sometimes I get to staring at my walls and I think about what they've seen, what they know after all these years. I mean, every wall in every home witnesses many lifetimes of memories. Memories like the music played from the speakers on Sunday. Can you do the dishes? No, you do the dishes. Memories like the stink of past relationships. Can you please just do the dishes? You do the dishes. Memories that are stored deep in the fibers of their materials, waiting there, invisible, but palpable. Like God. Yes, I have brought up God. When I talk about God, I'm not talking about the man in the sky. When I talk about God, I'm talking about something more like an entity that is always with us, always looking after us, always available to help us connect with our own deepest inner knowing. I'm talking about the God in the wall. Your wall. And this is where the participatory section of wall officially begins. Start by finding a blank sliver of wall. It doesn't have to be a big spot of wall. It should be at least two feet by two feet. I'll wait for you to get to that piece of wall. And since I don't know how big your home is, here's a little waiting music while you get there. If you're already at your piece of wall, you can spend this transition time staring at it, perhaps noting its imperfections. Okay, so hopefully now you are at your blank wall. You can either sit down next to it or stand, whatever position is most comfortable for you. I am standing next to my wall, and my left hand is flat against it. I invite you to put your left hand flat against your wall. And leaving your hand there, start to rub it in a circular motion against your wall. Just feeling it, feeling the surface. 
start to experiment with other ways of touching your wall. You can tap it lightly again and again. You can put the back of your hand to it. You can drum against it with your fingertips. Whatever feels right. Just spend some time having a tactile experience. This is your wall. It surrounds you every day. Your wall. And this is what it feels like. As you get to know your wall, think about all the ways that your wall already knows you. What did this wall see you do yesterday? Does your wall maybe appreciate things about you that you neglect to appreciate about yourself? I do believe there's wisdom in your wall. I believe that when you really take the time to be with your wall, your wall has things to offer you. I believe it is possible to use your mild-mannered just sitting there like a wall wall to do really special things. I believe it is possible to use your wall to meet yourself. Meet. Meet, meet yourself. yourself. Meet yourself. And by meet yourself, I mean meet the very best part of yourself. Generous self. Humble self. Organized self. Self with the ability to make a little mistake once in a while and not turn it into a days-long drama about what a fuck-up you are. Self of the hello. That's it. Just hello. I'm happy to be here. Hello. 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 Now, let yourself just kind of lean against your wall. Put some of your weight against it and be with it. Sometimes, when I'm alone with my wall, I look back on the things I've lost in my life. You know, the relationships. I have this ex-boyfriend. Let's call him Jerry. Hello, I'm Jerry. 
ex-boyfriend of Sharon, Jerry. I am definitely Jerry. Jerry and I, we used to fight a lot. My sweatshirt is orange. Nah, it's pink. It's orange. Pink. My sweatshirt is orange, Jerry. Orange. Pink. Orange. Pink. It's orange, Jerry. Orange. I'm leaving you. (laughs) Looking back on things, I can now say with near certainty that Jerry sucked. But when I'm alone and thinking about him, I find myself regretting that I didn't give the whole thing another chance, that I didn't fight to keep him, that I didn't beg him to take me back. Because if I had fought to keep him, I wouldn't be alone in my house. My house would be populated by a relationship. I made you breakfast! Not hungry. I mean, isn't a relationship better than no relationship? I bought you a new pair of sneakers. What do I look like to you? A marathon runner? It's not just that I let Jerry fall out of my life. It's that I have dated a dozen Jerry's. Hi, I'm Jerry number two. I'm Jerry number three. Jerry four. Jerry five. And one by one, as my walls looked on, I let the Jerry's drop like rotting fruit falling onto the wet, muddy ground. (coughs) But the Jerry's weren't actually fruit, were they? They were people, and I loved them, and now they're gone. Now, you might have your own version of a Jerry, or even five Jerry's. You know, someone or something you let go of in your life that you're mad at yourself about. Someone or something you wish you'd held on to, whose absence you feel. Like me, you might feel regret, even if, objectively, that thing you let go of actually wasn't good for you. But that's where your wall comes in. Your wall remembers why you made the choices that you made. Your wall trusts you. You in the present and you in the past. If you aren't already still touching your wall, go back to touching it. And now, Get as much of your body to touch the wall as you possibly can. Your torso, your arms, your hands. Really put your whole self up against the wall. And if it isn't already there, put your cheek to the wall tenderly. This wall This wall that you're pressing yourself up against right now. This wall has actually been holding you all along. Take a deep breath 
and feel what it's like to be held. Your wall knows so, so many things. But the most important thing that it knows is that it loves you. It just does. It loves you. Writer and producer, Sharon Mashihi. We'll be right back. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. And I want to tell you about a podcast I think you're going to love. Who Weekly is a podcast about everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Does celebrity news stress you out? Are there too many people you've literally never heard of? Check out Who Weekly, a podcast hosted by Lindsay Weber and me, Bobby Finger. Each episode goes deep into the biggest celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we'll answer the most burning listener queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly on the Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm Shimon Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now, I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully, no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. We're back on the 11th, this month featuring some of the work from McSweeney's quarterly concern, The Audio Issue. There's one essay in the issue that doesn't have an audio component. It's written by Andrew Leland. Andrew works with McSweeney's. He also podcasts himself called The Organist. And he's written quite a bit over the years about his gradual vision loss. In this essay, Andrew talks about the McSweeney's audio issue as a sort of experiment in access. Not access in the sense of who will understand the story or enjoy the story or whose head might it go over, but who is able to, quite literally, interact with it. He writes about a legally blind reader named Kevin who wrote into the Quarterly years ago, praising them for how visual and tactile their issues were, how nice it felt to hold them, even if he couldn't easily, quote-unquote, read the stories inside. Something that occurred to me upon reading this is how every object inside the audio issue, even the box itself, has a sound of its own, and a feeling, and a smell, and though I can't independently confirm this, I assume also a taste, just not something you think about with audio projects that often. Quote, when you include people with disabilities in your audience, Leland writes, no aesthetic compromise needs to take place. Making an artwork accessible does not mean making it less challenging, its slopes less steep. 
It just means that everyone ought to be able to have the chance to rise to the challenge if they choose to. We've got one last audio tour to play for you. This one from the author Jason Reynolds. It's a walking tour of your bathroom. Despite the acoustics, you've never been much impressed by this place. You wish you didn't have to spend so much time here. I mean, look at it. It's the smallest room in the apartment. Maybe 30 square feet, maybe a little smaller. You don't know because you've never been great at math, but you know it's small. Three people, if one person is in the tub small, it would at least look bigger if it were painted white. But when you stand in the middle of the room and look in any direction, the walls are all an abysmal, bismal tile. Walk your eyes south like journeying down a brick road to find the pink porcelain has chipped along the floorboards. The grout filthy from years of you don't want to know. Look in the mirror. You still recognize yourself despite the fact that your reflection wears splotches of blur-like birthmarks. Ignore the rusted edges of the medicine cabinet it doubles as and divert your attention to a sound. Do you hear that? Dripping. It's coming from the sink just beneath the mirror. Reach for the faucet levers pushing them away from you, though they can't go any further. The water still wells at the mouth of the spigot, though, doesn't it? Dropping into the bowl like a childish taunt. And you have no idea where the stopper has gone. And then there's the toilet. It has a white base, a black seat, and a white lid that, when closed, looks dumb. Because a white seat would look better. But you know you don't need another thing to show dirt and age. You keep a few books stacked on top of the tank, an old copy of The Fire Next Time, and a collection of Neruda love poems. Dust has mixed with the moisture from the shower and has browned the pages and curled them into beckoning fingers you continue to ignore. You've never read them. Well, you have, but not in here. Sit on the commode. It's cold. But relax if you can, which you probably can't. Don't mind the wobble of the seat. Something has come loose. But for now, focus your attention to the right of you. There's the tub. And it is the sole reminder of why you haven't replaced the black seat with a white one. Because God forbid it go the way of the bathtub, which is the way of untended teeth. Yellow. A kind of people plaque. Its color is a result of what so many have left behind. Take a look at the tub's faucet. It looks like a metal turtle head sticking out from its pink shell and looking down at the stained tub, doesn't it? Feels judgmental, but what's worse is what lives a few feet away. The shower head. It's old and doorknob shaped and is the kind that would shoot a narrow spray, perfect for a good massage if only the water pressure would allow. But it doesn't. So your showers are longer than they need to be, and also hotter, which is why if you look up, you'll notice how the steam has left freckles on the ceiling. Sometimes when you stay in too long, the freckles animate and become a rusty rain, freckling the tub as well. Every now and then, though it turns your stomach, you wonder if it would all make more sense to just take baths, but you have no idea where the stopper has gone. Besides, you're too big for this tub. Actually, you're too big for this room. 
You wish it were bigger. You you also wish you didn't have to hear your friends refer to theirs the way they always do, as some kind of throne room or sanctuary. But that's because they have children, and their moments of peace are only available during moments of putridity. And to be honest, their bathrooms are far nicer than yours. They're usually the smell of cinnamon and suburb and untouchable towels hanging from a rack. There's always grapefruit-scented liquid soap and a spot-free vanity mirror. But yours is in a throne room or a sanctuary. Yours is some kind of pre-war grave. Yours is a fourth-floor walk-up shit-and-spit closet, a library of discomfort uncleanable because it is impossible to scrub away decades to rewipe the caulk impossible to thoroughly wipe down a wall to completely clean a mirror that has reflected hundreds how does one brighten what has become so brittle last night at the potluck at aaron's new house you were reminded of this truth after jess a woman you've been seeing emerged from the half-bath which Aaron's wife, Yvonne, calls a powder room. Jess had been in there for quite some time, not that you were clocking her. I mean, as a matter of fact, you were busy devouring some sort of duck dish when she returned refreshed and singing the praises of the toilet. The seat is heated, she leaned into you, and there's a bidet. A what? A bidet. It... It washes you, she said. Is that what you were doing in there? You asked, half curious and half hoping that's what she'd been doing in there. Well, not just that, she said. What you two over here whispering about, Yvonne asked. She'd been floating around collecting empty plates. Oh, Jess was just going on about your bathroom, you said, handing over a confit-streaked dish. Ah, a sanctuary, right? Yvonne set the stack of dishware down on a side table. Then she grabbed Jess by the hand. Wait till you see the one upstairs. She whisked Jess through the crowd of familiars and unfamiliars, everyone taking pictures and tasting everyone else's food and doing their best to avoid the children's table. You've never been a fan of potlucks, even though this one was fancy enough to have a coat check because there's always some asshole who brings soda. Or a few bags of tortilla chips. And let's not forget the person always bold enough to make greens. You brought potato salad, which makes you just as bad, maybe worse, but just insisted. You're also not the most extroverted person. Actually, to be frank, you're just shy. Not like stare at your feet shy, but like mingling is the hardest thing in the world shy. So when Jess goes on a bathroom tour of the house, you figured it was time for you to see for yourself what the big deal was with the powder room. It was pink. A better pink than yours. Fitting. And it smelled like cinnamon. Fitting. Liquid hand soap. So fitting. And towels hanging, not to be used, because if they were to be used, there wouldn't be paper towels as well. You touched the toilet. Didn't seem any different than any other toilet you've ever touched, but on the side of it were buttons and LED lights. Who knew suburban toilets were spaceships, you thought? This must be what she was talking about. 
This you said aloud, not knowing that you never fully shut the door. There was a knock, then a slow open. It was Aaron. You good, bro? He was holding a flute of champagne and was coming into the bathroom. Also fitting. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm, I'm good, you said. Nice bathroom. Oh, man, thank you. That toilet, it's like a time machine. Aaron puffed his chest out. Nah, it's a fucking throne. After the party, you and Jess went back to the city, back to your building. You kept trying to tell her it was a bad idea to bring potato salad, and the evidence of that was you carrying the whole vat of it back home, but you couldn't because she rambled drunkenly about the master bathroom, about how it had a shower and a tub on opposite sides, about how there were two sinks and grapefruit-sized bulbs framing the mirror, about how the floor was some kind of marble, and once the two of you made it to the fourth floor and into your apartment, she whispered in your ear once more about the bidet, this time nibbling your lobe. You slept together for the first time. You want to call it making love, but you won't. You can't. Early this morning, around 5.30 or so, you were shaken out of your sleep by the mangled duck in your stomach. You jumped out of bed, not noticing that Jess wasn't there, and ran the, let's say, four steps to the bathroom, only to find a note written on the coat check ticket, a small scribble that didn't need to be any bigger for you to know what it said. A breakup is the first thing you've ever read in here. You set it on top of Baldwin and took a seat on the toilet, still cold. You've been sitting here since then, numb and the complete opposite of it. Listen to the honking of horns and the screeching of bus brakes. The world is waking up. Your legs are asleep. The sink is still dripping. Don't bother with the levers. The shower is dripping too. Your stomach is burning and you lean over to rest your elbow on the wooden staff of the plunger you keep tucked between the toilet and sink. You know it's weird and a bit disgusting, but in this moment, you don't care. Behind the door, there's a small spider that has spun an elaborate web from the bottom door hinge to the corner. And in front of you is your bath towel. It's brown and a web of its own, trapping only the smell of wet. There is light coming from somewhere. And you've been in this broke down box for hours, scrolling on your phone, scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Who knows where the stopper has gone through the social media profiles of your friends, some from last night, smiling like they know something you don't. Look, there's Jess making duck lips in the bathroom when an advertisement for a new and improved bidet comes across your feed. Your Bathroom, written and performed by Jason Reynolds, produced by Eliza Smith and Jacob Winnick. This month's issue of The 11th was produced by me, Eric Menel, with Asha Saluja and Kristen Torres. Production and editing support from Chloe Persinos and Leela Day. 
Of course, all this was made possible by Claire Boyle at McSweeney's and Julie Shapiro and Audrey Mardovich at Radiotopia. A special thanks to Andrew Leland as well. You can purchase the entire McSweeney's audio issue at store.mcsweeney's.net. There's also a link to it in the show notes. It really is such an incredible collection of work. I cannot recommend it enough. Mixing this month by Hannes Brown, visuals and marketing by Grace Chen, Moira Curran, Hadim Dang, Kirk Courtney, and Meredith Rice. Legal services for Pineapple Street by Bianca Grimshaw at Granderson Day Rocher and Crystal Tupcha at Odyssey. Original art for McSweeney's by the illustrator Michael Kirkham. Episode art by Jonathan Conda. Thanks for listening to The 11th. We'll be back next month with one of our biggest experiments yet. Something entirely new and entirely different. <laughs>